Welcome back, welcome back. This is another episode of the Elvis Reviews podcast. I am here. Daniel's here. Hello. Hello. Here we are. <laughs> We're here. We're ready. Before we say anything about this show, mm-hmm. I, fi- I I was going to say I finally watched the Elvis movie. I haven't watched the Elvis movie, but I watched that, the making of the 68. Oh, the whole thing? Comeback thing. I watched the whole thing. Yeah, I it was it was a bit long, but it was, it was good. Yeah. I finally well, got around to watching something. <laughs> Yeah, they definitely made Parker the villain, which probably true. Very likely, from what we know. <laughs> yeah. But it was interesting. Cool. I will I will get to the movie eventually. Yeah, I'm avoiding I'm the only, Priscilla I'm only one. A, a couple of years behind now, so. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm going to see the Priscilla one. I've heard What's enough about it. What's the Priscilla one? Oh, Sofia Coppola. It just premiered at Cannes, I think. Or Cannes. Oh. It's basically Elvis. It paints Elvis in the worst possible light. It's backlash is what it is. Yeah, but it's... why? Because Priscilla was 14, so Elvis was grooming her, because that's the thing. Oh, so now. this is not from Priscilla. Well, it is. Priscilla was involved. She gave it her blessing. It's based on her book that she wrote, uh, Elvis and Me, I think was the name of it. Wow, but she's always seemed quite protective of the Elvis image. So why now come out and take this sort of angle, no, even though it's sort of true? Why would she want to do that? I don't know. And I don't know how much real control she had over it if she saw the uh, final product. But I've heard enough to know that it's not going to be a flattering portrait of Elvis. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Anyway, okay. shouldn't. <laughs> so, so, so that's one that I don't need to watch. That's, that's, in that's my easy. Opinion. I can do that. <laughs> yeah. In my opinion. I mean, she's a great, I mean, she did Lost in Translation and I mean, she's a great director. It, it just, yeah, it sucks that she's, yeah, I wish it weren't happening. I always thought it was interesting that Priscilla is like the Elvis X. Right, right. When there were many others, not maybe not as long as she was around, but there was some pretty long-term girlfriends as well. But well, because Linda she was Thompson. the one who got married and divorced, she's always yeah. been the one. Yeah. And you very rarely hear about Linda and, and Ginger and like these other girls right. that were around. Right. Well, Ginger at least got, she got a TV movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that was something. But yeah, she I think something. she... She was the only the only one that really kind of has the name recognition. Some people know Ginger, but yeah, you're right. Priscilla is just like the main female character. That's the one that everyone thinks of. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose that's just the way it goes. I mean, I don't think it would have even mattered if they were married or not. It's just she was the one there for like that sort of peak time when everyone right. knew who Elvis was. Right. And yeah, you know, the later girlfriends, it's like they just seem to be forgotten. Yeah, like I said, all except Linda. Linda seemed really an important one. And I think I think she had like a good relationship with Lisa Marie as well. Mm. I suppose it's the same with a lot of people. I mean, when you think Paul McCartney, you think of Linda. Yes, yes, you, absolutely. You know, you don't really think about Heather What's no. her name that often or whoever the current wife is. Is there a current wife? Yeah, yeah. He got married oh, again. Poor guy. And <laughs> yeah. when you think of Prince, I mean, when I think of Prince, I mostly think of my take. I think I... Th- Even though he got married again after that and there were other a couple of girlfriends here and there, I think yeah. my take. I think Vanity. Even though... Oh, yeah, oh you're going way back. Okay. Because <laughs> I like the mythology of like them as a couple. You know what I mean? My take honestly kind of got on my nerves. Ah, um, oh, see, we, we were just talking about this before, <laughs> like, that night that early 90s era is my favorite and it's not yours it is it's not i don't i don't hate it it's it's within the his peak period for sure yeah did we mention the word prince so people know what the hell we're talking did about? did we did we we, did we, we, we never mention it <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway yeah we should shut up about prince and Oh, actually, I'm going to mention Prince on the very first track. Oh, there we go. Of okay, the Elvis so Review. This is the Elvis Reviews podcast, which is why we're talking about Prince and Paul McCartney. 
Right. Basically, what we do is it's a podcast and we review Elvis. <laughs> it's, it was really hard to come up with a name, I've got to tell you. <laughs> anyway, this is a different one. This is something we haven't mm-hmm. done before. It's not an album review. It's not a, a concert. It's not a DVD. It's basically, why don't you explain? Because you put the, the list together. Right. These are all the songs that didn't appear on any of Elvis's official regular studio albums in the 70s before he died. These are all, I mean, Kentucky Rain appeared on a compilation called Pure Gold. And, you know, a few of these pop up on our big compilation of B-sides. And but they came out on those later. No, When they no. were released, they were like a standalone oh, single, right? That is definitely true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't. It because was, I, yes. I did see one, one of these songs like ended up on some Christmas album and it sort of seems uh-huh. out of place there, but we'll get to that. Yeah. But yeah, that's basically what we're doing. And you've done these in order of the the times, the dates they were released? Yes. So the first three tracks we're going to cover were recorded in 69, but they were his first the singles that came out in, well, Kentucky Rain, I think, came out in January of 1970. So yeah, we're basically taking it from the release date. Okay. So that explains that. Yes. I'll say this now instead of at the end, just in case people turn off before we get to the end. You can Mm -hmm. send us an email at elvisreviewspodcast at gmail.com. Just like Tanya did and Christina and Uh Alison and Richard and lots of people. Yes. We've got Hunter, Anne-Marie, Sean. There's uh, people sending emails. It's great. Yeah, it is great. It is. And I've definitely tried to respond. To, well, we both tried to respond to them. And I think we have. So you, you're, you're better at the responding because you've, you've, got, you've got all the books there with all the, all <laughs> yeah. the information. And, I can and I'm just, and I'm just like, I just like listen to the, the live shows. <laughs> <laughs> so when they start asking questions about dates and this and that, it's like, yeah, that one's for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do refer to the books more than Wikipedia, although I'm on Wikipedia a lot too. Yeah. So. Okay. So let's start. We're going to yes. start with the first, I was going to say the first track on the album, but it's not. The it's single. the first single in this compiled list. It's the first single of, of 1970. Oh, there we go. Okay. Yeah, January 1970. The song we're talking about, it's called Kentucky Rain. Yes, recorded in 69. So yeah, to tell me the details. Recorded when, released when? Okay, recorded in February of 1969 at the American Studios where Suspicious Minds and all the great songs were done. This was by Eddie Rabbit, who he obviously loves A Rainy Night because Kentucky Rain was him and mm. I Love A Rainy Night was him and Patch It Up and Inherit the Wind were also all Eddie Rabbit. Yep, we've heard that name many times. Yeah, so when this came out, uh, his Elvis's previous single, Don't Cry Daddy, was still on the charts. Mm. And it went all, I think it hit like number six yeah it got as high as number six yeah i think kentucky rain only made it up to number number 17 see in my memory this was a big song i mean it was sort of big but it was yeah i, I remember it too. <laughs> but yeah when you look back sometimes you look back at chart numbers and you're like i'm sure that song was bigger than that yeah exactly like it only it got really to 20 and you're like no that was in the radio all the time yeah well it, it was heading up the charts and then john lennon's instant karma like flew past it Oh, and, uh, yeah, yeah, that would have wiped year. out everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it stalled at like number 16, but still it's top 20. But yeah, I remember it as being bigger, uh, a bigger hit as well, like a classic. Yeah. Memories are funny things. 
So I was looking up the details of this, and a few years later, Eddie Rabbit released his own version of this song in 1978 for his Variations LP. Oh, okay. And I listened to his version. It's fine. It, of course, his voice doesn't have, he's not Elvis. It doesn't have the power <laughs> that Elvis yeah. has, but it's just a nice radio, you know, easy listening track. But Elvis has just got this power, especially in the chorus. You yeah. know, Eddie just cannot replicate not that he was yeah. trying. I mean, it's his version. It's his song. He can do what he wants with it. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it was fine. Well, I know in other reviews of Elvis, I've, I've said his voice is like thunderous. But in this song, mm. it's literally like thunder. <laughs> you know, the song slows down and then he comes in. Yeah, I mean, it really kind of emulates a rainstorm. It's such a cool song. Yes. Yes. Uh, oh, well, I didn't even think of that. There you go. There's some thinking. <laughs> well, another thing I noticed, which it's not a direct comparison, but I really, the opening of Kentucky Rain, that really memorable sort of, yeah, and then the drums reminded me suddenly of Princess Take Me With You. Oh, like, yes. Like slowed down or it's like that same kind of, yeah, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah. It is. It is similar. <laughs> you see, my brain does that too. Like I will literally hear like three or four notes in a song and I'm like, oh, that's, that's like that other song. And sometimes <laughs> like I remember it in like 30 seconds and other times it takes me a week and drives yeah. me crazy. But eventually <laughs> yeah. I get there. Yeah, a very similar thing. Yeah. So, okay, I love the song. Have you talked? Well, I'll just say, you mentioned before, I love a rainy night, yes. Eddie Rabbit song. Mm -hmm. That's such a classic song that was on the radio nonstop when Amazing. I was a kid. Yeah. I love that song. It's and I, I don't think I ever knew who sang it. There's some songs like that just that were around when you were a kid and they were on the radio all the time. Uh -huh. And, you know, usually they're like, oh, that was that song by this person. But I never paid attention to that. I just liked the song. Yeah. And only just now when we were looking this up, okay. when I was looking up Eddie Rabbit about this song, it's like, oh, Eddie Rabbit wrote A Love A Rainy Night. And I'm like, that sounds like a title that I know. And then I look it up on YouTube. That's the song. <laughs> it's Eddie Rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> so now I know after many, many, many years that Eddie Rabbit sings I Love A Rainy Night and wrote it. Yeah. So and it's good rain. to know. I wonder, how many other, rain. I wonder how many, if he wrote other rain, rain songs. Elvis's version of the song is why we're here. Mm. There's good strings. There's drums. There's horns. Everything kicks off in the chorus. I mean, Elvis's voice is just perfect. There's, yeah. there's nothing you can even talk about there. It's just, it's Elvis. Yeah. We can't keep doing this, though. Oh, there's nothing <laughs> you can say. It's Elvis. <laughs> That's not a great podcast. That's the only reason I really dug into the the lyrics because I I do love the song but if you the lyrics are really kind of weird because okay it's about a, he wakes up one night and, and this woman has just left him in the middle of the night so okay the next line is I don't know why you'd run what you're running to or from well, first of all run is a really interesting choice of words not not leave oh but yes run. <laughs> and I think she's I mean what you're running to that doesn't even make sense to me like where would she oh, be because no, she could be running to another run. guy mm, you're right you're right but because you wouldn't run to well, she could be running to her house who knows but uh, two to me implies another another person yeah she's definitely running from and the guy she's running from is the guy who's singing the song yes so yeah and the next thing that hits me after a while is that he's on foot so he's like left the house on foot i guess he's like walked at the front door and just picked a direction and started walking and he's just wandering kentucky which is like the 37th largest state it's 102,000. <laughs> square kilometers it's a big oh and he's that's, just, this is the line with the the kentucky back roads yes he's just wandering the roads of kentucky showing her picture <laughs> to like people it's an insane song if you really listen to it and then there's like a preacher man who's like picking up hitchhikers on the back roads which is another <laughs> another whole thing 
that's all. That's all. I just yeah. Matt, this this is not the first song that we've talked about where when you really look at the lyrics, like, and oh, it's yeah. not that common, but Elvis has done something possibly quite bad and he's the bad guy in the story. There were, there's been at least one or two others like that. When you really dig into the lyrics, you're like, what actually happened in this story? Right. If she ran away from him in the middle of the night, what did he do? Exactly. And then, and then, and then he's wandering around showing a photo of this girl to random people. <laughs> Have you seen this girl? It's yeah. like it's like um, out of Terminator or something. Yeah. Have you seen this? It's scary. There is a possibility that she took the car, and that's why he's on foot. But oh, possibly. I, oh, no, but if, if she stole his car, that'd have to be a line in the song. You would think. Because then that'd make her out to be worse. Yeah. The thing that's also interesting is when we get to the song uh, Sound of Your Cry, which is, I think, going to be in part two, that song is told from the perspective of a person who's about to leave somebody who's in bed with him while she's asleep. So it's... Oh. Yeah, it's like the opposite perspective, except the gender situation, but... But otherwise, it's just the op- it's like told from the other point of view. Anyway, mm. I actually love the song, despite <laughs> if you dig into the lyrics, it being odd. And I think that's all I, mean, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, Elvis's voice, like you said, in the chorus, it's just it's it's thunder. There's there's a fair bit of reverb on his vocal, but it still it still doesn't take anything away. It sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. One thing I noticed at about two thirty, you can hear the click track in the background. Mm-hmm. It gets really quiet, and then you can just hear this click. Click, 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 because yeah. that's what they're playing to. Yeah. So Remember that was interesting. on, on uh, the, other, the other Eddie Rabbit song, Inherit the Wind, the, the count-in, you could completely hear it. Like it was. Oh, yes, yes. So, yeah, it's odd. They're both recorded at American. I saw one quote that said about this song, and it said something like, Elvis has never sounded more miserable on record. <laughs> Which I thought was really funny, but I, I don't really hear it. I guess I mean, they I, mean I'm it guessing it's meant to be like a sad, you know, despair sort right. of song, but he, he doesn't sound that emotional or miserable. I don't know. I just thought it was a really funny quote. Yeah. Yeah, he really tackles those choruses, and toward the end especially when he's just repeating the Kentucky Rain Keeps Pouring Down. Yeah, it, it is one of my favorite songs. It really is. Now, this song was included on the Philharmonic Orchestra album. The Wonder of You. Was it good? Well, yeah. I mean, it's nice. You got okay. the big orchestra and all the strings, but I think in parts the strings do sort of overpower his voice a bit. Yeah, well, and, and maybe a- that's the point. I mean, it is an orchestra album, so that's yeah. what people are listening to it for. But just a little bit better mixing. Just get his voice a little bit louder. You'll right. still hear all the strings, but at times he sort of sounded a little bit, not distant, but just not loud enough, yeah. I think. Well, they did do a re-recorded backing track like in 1980, but it didn't come out until FTD put it out on, uh, it was called Too Much Monkey Business, where it was like the mm. guitar out, the, the Guitar Man album from 80 or 81. They recorded a bunch more than they made it on the record. And Kentucky Rain was one of the ones that didn't make it. And I really don't like that version at all. I think the Ooh. thing is, I find this, especially that opening that we were talking about with the drums and the plucking, is so, to me, iconic, if that's the right word. Yeah. It just, yeah but without it that, it's just, I mean, that's such a part of the song to me. Yeah. I'll have to that's check it. Out the, yes, that's it. Side B. So, to go to the next song, what was the B side? To Kentucky Rain. Yeah, My Little Friend by Cheryl Nelson. Nelson, The same person who wrote Life from the oh, Love yes. Letters album. I remember that. Like, I, I, I don't think there's a lot of people who can see the title of this song and not think Scarface. of that movie. 
Is, yeah. it, is it Godfather or Scarface Scar- or something? It's, it's Scarface. Yeah, I watched the clip I mean, after this too. I know the line, but I've never seen any of those movies. I, I've never but, seen the whole but movie. But say hello to my little friend. I mean, when you do a song called My Little Friend, it's such an iconic line. How <laughs> how does that image not come in your head? Yeah. Well, if this song would have kicked in at that point in the movie, it would have been interesting because he mows down <laughs> just tons of people with a machine gun after that oh that's uh, almost like a tarantino move isn't it mm-hmm. <laughs> you put like this massive shooting against like a totally a weird different 70s. sort of song yeah yeah that'd be interesting yeah let's try that somebody Pretty somebody easy. put that together <laughs> yeah but uh I, I guess i can go first uh it was recorded in january 69 his voice is just so good i like the arrangement of the song i like how open and airy it kind of sounds with mm. the strings and some acoustic guitar and it's got a nice overall sound elvis sounds great the song itself is it's just cringy yeah it's just not a song i like very much like one mm. of the lines is the fragrance of the green grass mingled with the scent of love and womanhood <laughs> <sighs> you know it's just it's it's there's some cringy <laughs> lyrics in there uh i didn't even notice that because yeah I, good yeah, you're I, lucky that, yeah <laughs> he, uh, i'm lucky me because <laughs> otherwise it, it's got a great sound and elvis sounds great but it is one that I actually, the lyrics, sometimes lyrics don't actually bother me. Like Kentucky Rain, I can pick them apart, but I still love Kentucky Rain. But in this one, it's a little much. So not a favorite of mine. I mean, the mix, it's got a good mix of like the horns and the strings. Yeah. It's got some space. And I think a part of that may be, uh, are there even drums on this track or, or very little? Very little. Oh, in fact, I was going to mention, it has that little drum beat that I like. They use it again on Sound of Your Cry, where I guess the, it's the stick just kind of hitting the rim and it sounds a little like yeah, ticking clock. That's, that's what it is, yeah. yeah that's all, I love that's that. all there is, I think, on this track. Yeah, so I remember listening right. to it and I'm like, maybe the third listen, I'm like, oh, there's no drums. Yeah. There's just that little, you know, tick, tick on the, the side of the drum. On the yeah. on the rim. This um, is this country. It uh, sort of has mm. that like bit of cowboy vibe, but I don't think technically people would call it country. But that's what Elvis did. He like mished and mashed yeah. different genres and just made hey, it's an Elvis song. Right. Yeah, I definitely don't think it's country. It's it's got a bit a bit of a vibe, but not technically. Yeah. It's interesting because we had the same issue kind of categorizing that other song, Life, which was the one that ended the Love Letters album, mm. which was written written by the same person. And yes. that's a another song it's really not it's definitely not country it's it's almost psychedelic in it i'll give him that he's he writes songs that are hard to categorize i just wish i liked them more Uh, (laughs) i wish i liked these (laughs) uncategorizable songs i think mostly for me this is a mostly forgettable track I don't think I'll be coming back to this one very often. I mean, not much happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty standard vocal. There's nothing amazing. Yeah, all his vocals from 69 are, you know, incredible, so. And this, uh, Wikipedia told me, this eventually came out on uh, one of the budget albums, Almost in Love, well, yes. whatever year that came out. I do not know. It was, God, you know, it was probably right around, it was like 1970 or 71. It was It was near the time of this. Mm. But those albums, again, mostly were, let's see, Almost in Love, that had some pretty good stuff on it. But it was like a lot of movie songs, and then this you could say, buried on there. And just a few random other things. Okay, so that is My Little Friend. Yes. Now it's time for Mama Like the Roses. The last 1969 track. Oh, okay. So, tell me about this one. Okay, recorded January 15th, 1969. Came out as the B-side of Wonder of You in 1970. Okay, here's the thing that I read about that Mm -hmm. particular fact. Yes. Someone was saying that 
Mama Like the Roses was actually the A-side and The Wonder of You was the B-side. It was like a double A-side. Neither one was meant to be the big oh. hit. Well, I did read both sides. And and they said that they went and looked at like the actual catalog numbers and, and mm-hmm. this is correct. So I, I don't know if that's it, true. It charted like both sides charted at number nine. Like that's what okay. it was listed as both sides. So I guess it was a double A side. Interesting. Because, yeah, I mean, if you looked at these two songs, you'd be like, yeah. well, obviously the Wonder of You is going to be the song, right? <laughs> well, Wonder of You was a number one in England. Yes. Without, um, I don't understand how those things work unless it's airplay. You know what I mean? Because if yeah, you're buying a single, you buy both sides. You can't buy one side. <laughs> I mean, you can now. You couldn't you in 1969. <laughs> I just want yeah. one song. I always thought this should have been the B side to Don't Cry Daddy. But maybe it was just too much dead mama on both sides, so they didn't do it. Um, but oh, God. Okay. Yep. <laughs> this is a song that I think a lot of Elvis people don't like at all. Like, it's it's one that people tend to hate. I don't Ooh, hate okay. it. And in fact, I really, I have a, I can understand why Elvis recorded it for the obvious reasons of, you know, he lost his mother. But the, just the year before he recorded it, there was a massive worldwide hit called Honey by Bobby Goldsboro about this woman who dies in a car accident or, no, she she didn't die in the car accident. She dies in some other way. And it's just this, it's got some of the same bells and instrumentation that Mama Like the Roses uh, has. It's he was a very, jumping on the, the bandwagon yes. of the Dead Mama song. And if you listen to the song Honey right next to this, I mean, they really, it's the same vibe. It really, really is. Mm. So it actually makes sense in that context. And he sounds great, but yeah, it's another one. I mean, thank God my mom's still around. Oh, yeah. Let's just, I'll just apologize now for anyone who has lost their mother. Uh, we, yes. we're, we're, not, we're not meant to be making fun of uh, <laughs> passed yes, away this could, mothers. <laughs> this could, yeah, this could really affect someone and, and I can understand that. And, and they might love it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, in, in Honey, it was a woman, it was a wife who loved a tree in the yard. And in this, it's a mother who loved the flowers in the yard. Well, um, oh, yeah, very it's similar. Real similar. <laughs> but Elvis sings it, you know, straight. He sounds good. I like the little uh, narration part in the middle. I kept the family Bible with the words she saved inside. Mm-hmm. But it definitely was the B-side in my mind to mm-hmm. one review. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I don't think of it as a, a lost masterpiece like some of these. <laughs> it, it, it could stay lost. <laughs> <laughs> and it and it did pop up on that Pickwick Christmas album, and it really doesn't yeah. fit. So, yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, I don't mind this song. The strings are nice. And like we've said about a few of these songs in the past, it almost sounds like it's from a musical, like some theater mm. thing. Not 100%. This one, not so much as some previous ones we've talked about, but it's definitely got that dramatic yeah. flair in there. I agree. And I think that's mostly due to there's one in the chord progression. There's just this one unexpected chord they keep throwing in. And every time it happens, I'm like, oh, that's different. <laughs> I think that's what gives it that sort of the dramatic musical theater sort of vibe. Yeah. The vibrato in his voice on this is just a bit too much for me. It's just real, like out of all the songs we've listened to, this could be one of the most, you know, where it's most obvious. Mm-hmm. It's like just really like, and it's meant to sound how it sounds, but it just sounds like really shaky and wobbly. And it's like, oh, <laughs> I don't know. And maybe that's meant to make you think, oh, it's a, it's emotional. It's about his mama. Right. But it just sounds not great. <laughs> to me yeah um, I don't know like I said this is among Elvis people a widely disliked <laughs> song 
So yeah, but, it's, but for what reason? Just everything put together. But that, that it's like maudlin is the word I've heard a lot. Um, mm. Just well, the yeah, same but thing. That, that's that's not a reason to. I mean, you can dislike a song, but do you say it's a bad song? They're different things, right? Well, yeah, it all depends on really how you how sincere you take Elvis in the song, I guess. Oh, uh, yeah. But like I said, with that song, Honey, I mean, it, it really, it's this, right in that same category. And the same people who hated Honey, I suppose, would hate this. But in fact, Honey was, I, I just found on YouTube, there was a, a TV show, The Smothers Brothers, in the early oh, yeah. 70s. And they had a whole sketch called The Honey House because Honey was just such a big hit that they were giving a tour of the house where Honey died. And like, it was all references to the song, which the sketch makes no sense unless you know the song. Although one of the two Smothered Brothers does sing the entire song during the sketch. So (laughs) anyway, but yeah, Mama Like the Roses. I've never seen any of the Smothers Brothers and I really need to because so many comedians I hear mention it as a reference. Like, you know, who who were you watching when you grew up? And so many people mention the Smothers Brothers, but they never sort of got to Australia. There was no breakthrough. So we never saw them, but I've just heard them referenced so many times. I really yeah. need to go and have a look. Well, I was, a, I mean, I was really, really little, but they were on at the same time as Laugh-In, I think, and they had a similar mm. vibe. Uh, Smothers Brothers yeah. was much more like subversive and much more, because I, I mean, I think they got canceled for something. Yeah, something Some, happened. I, yeah, yeah. Some, something political or something controversial. Anyway. That's it. Back to the song. The talking part in the middle, of course, I always laugh at that. <laughs> and, and it's funny that, I think we mentioned this before, you know, Elvis probably wasn't the first one to do that. Mm-mm. Just have a middle bridge and where you just start talking and not singing. Yeah. No, but he does it in a fair few songs. Yeah. And then it sort of went away, I think. And mm-hmm. then it sort of came back in the in the 90s in R&B. He had like Boys to Men yeah. doing this big singing song. And then in the middle, they're just like, baby, I want to tell you something. <laughs> and it was yeah. just, I used to laugh my head off every time because it was so, it so didn't fit the song to me. It is weird, yeah. And uh, now every time I hear it, I just think of those like early 90s R&B songs where people just randomly start talking and I just can't stop laughing because well, it just seems so ridiculous to me. And like, <laughs> and then you've got the laughing version of... Are You Lonesome Tonight? Are You Lonesome Tonight? Yes. And that just confirms it in my brain that you're <laughs> meant to laugh at this sort of thing. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I like, I don't mind the bell chimes as fake sounding as they are. They're just obviously a keyboard, but I like the sound of them. Yeah, a a glockenspiel or a a fake glockenspiel. Ah, it's... Yeah, is I it? don't know. It's not a real chime, no, I'm sure. I'm sure. It's it really yeah. sounds like it's some sort of keyboard. But, I mean, they didn't have, like, synthesizers and samplers back then, so I'm not sure what it is. Yeah. it's It just doesn't – it sounds like it's being played on a keyboard. I mean, they had organs which would do different sounds even back then, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, I mean, they had horns and strings and it must be – Oh, that could it could be a real chime. It just doesn't yeah. sound like one. Yeah, we've got the girl doing the the high voice singing mm-hmm. in the background there. I mean, yeah, I like you. I don't I don't love this song. Right, but I don't mind like sappy, happy, major key songs at all. But this one is it's almost a parody of itself. It just. Well, it's definitely not a happy, sappy song. It's about his dead mother, so... Oh, I know, but it is sappy. Yeah, it is sappy, yeah. when a song is too much of that, people don't like it. There's a limit to exactly. what people can take. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's like a, a parody of this type of song almost. And then you say, oh, it's so similar to it's, it's another so song. It's so similar. Even the high voice singing in the background comes right out of Honey. It's, it's very go. similar. Anyway, that's yes. that's all we've got for that one. Yes. 
the next single. The next song is Rags to Riches. Yes, finally a song recorded in 1970. Ah, okay. But Very originally, nice. 1953 oh, right, by right. Tony Bennett. Yes, Tony Bennett. Which I didn't know. Oh. Uh, well, we talked about Scarface before. This song was the opening to the Goodfellas movie, which oh. I, I haven't seen. Well, amazingly, I, I have seen it a long time ago, but I well, again, this is Wikipedia. Song. It could be wrong, but it says oh, it's the 1953 true. Tony Bennett hit. Mm-hmm. The song opens the film Goodfellas. So yeah, sounds right. And really I listened fit. to Tony Bennett's version on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And like, I know you like Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra and all these like crooning <laughs> I do. guys from that era. But it's funny when I listen, like I listen to Tony's version and all I can hear, and I wonder how many people are going to get this reference is Vic Fontaine from Deep Space Nine. See, that's the one Star Trek I haven't watched. Exactly. <laughs> but, but some people out there will know. I mean, he's meant to be a guy oh, I, from, a crooner guy from yeah. that era. I've seen clips on YouTube, so I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. I listened to Tony's version and I was just listening to it and I'm like, Vic could sing this. This <laughs> is just the sort of song he'd sing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, anyway, the first thing I heard when I listened to Elvis's version of this, mm-hmm. because it's got this massive introduction, this yeah. huge Elvis vocal, I know what you're and say the after. first song I thought of was, this is just like Hurt. Yep, that's what I have too. It just starts <laughs> with this massive thing, and you're just like, holy moly, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Not as epic as Hurt, right. but still, it's it's something. Right. you got a nice little falsetto at the end, yes. and the only live performance yeah pittsburgh 31st of december new year's eve show 1976 great concert the whole show yes the whole show is great and it's an amazing version of this Mm -hmm. with a great end he does some big notes at that at the end of that what i wouldn't give for that show to have been the last tv special instead of oh my god yes it was just a few months earlier and he was he was wearing a better jumpsuit. He was he was playing piano. I mean, he was just fantastic at that show. But anyway, yeah, I interrupted. Yeah, that's a great vibe. No, person. that's that's all I got. Well, I got kind of all the same stuff. Really, it came out in March of 1971. The B side was "Where Did They Go, Lord." Both sides. This is another, I guess, double A sided single because it says both sides went to number 33. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I have this, it's a great vocal, a lot like Hurt, except I just had a stronger voice by the time he did Hurt. Uh, it's less than two minutes long. Yeah, it it's, just kind of comes like and goes. It's 155. It is so short. Yeah, I mean, he, his voice is I think it's the great. shortest one that we're doing in this whole thing. I didn't check, but yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, it just, it kind of feels like a run through for Hurt later in a, in a lot of ways. Mm, it's a prototype. Y- yeah, it's a slightly lesser Hurt. But yeah, I, I have the same thing. I like the little high note at the end as well. Um, mm. I love the live version a lot. But yeah, I don't, I have nothing else to say. I have the same, same notes you did. It's amazing that that was the only live performance as well. Yeah. So that's Rags to Riches. Yes. Flip the 45 over. And now to the other side of that same little piece of wax vinyl record it's where did they go lord as soon as i saw this title it just reminded me of why me lord yeah 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 because you know because i i've listened to all those 70 shows so much and that song <laughs> was played a lot mm-hmm. why me lord yeah uh, I heard that but, but the song is really not similar at all <laughs> so what about this one uh recorded september 22nd 1970 and then written by a name we all know oh. dallas frazier Oh, that's right. And some guy called Arthur Leo Doodle Owens. <laughs> I don't oh. know who that guy is, but what a name. <laughs> yeah. We've heard Dallas's name 
Oh, many times before. Yeah. There goes my everything. And then he rewrote it to be a religious song called He Is My Everything. And then Oh yeah, that, that was him. That's the yeah. ones I remember. There's probably some other ones too. But yeah, that's Oh, there were a couple it. there were a couple of better songs than, than these ones. Okay. <laughs> I just can't remember what they are. But yeah, this was, you know, the flip side of the one we just talked about, and they both went to number thirty three in March of nineteen seventy one. I like about a minute in, it just takes off. Great vocal from Elvis, of course. There's a guitar in there, and it's just there, here and there, just does little things. But the tone of it is really nice. It's almost grating, but it's not. <laughs> like, they pulled the distortion back just enough that it wasn't too distorted, but there's just a little bit there. It's a really nice sound. But yeah, the only thing with this song is also it's too short. It yeah. really needs another verse or something. Like, I played this through, you know, three times, four times just to get enough of it because <laughs> right. it, it just ends you get the big end and then it so, just seems over so quickly yeah both it's sides. only 230 two and a half minutes it's yeah. it's just over too quick yeah it's a very short single because yeah rags to riches is less than two minutes and then this mm. one is barely two it had minutes. to sort of match yeah it is a song i really like because it's one where i think he's just crying out in despair and it, it's a lot like the song padre in padre he's talking to a priest about like how could he have lost everything and in this one he just skips the priest and goes right to god and it's like how you know where did everything go everything i counted on you know yeah. what just hit me is huh. how many not not songs but how many references there are through elvis songs that's either about the mother or the father like we've we've already um, talked about don't cry daddy and we've talked about right. the dead mama and there's just there seems to be a lot of references just sprinkled over everything and maybe that's the same with everyone but i'm just Something you just said just made me realize there's lots of stuff about mothers and fathers and, of course, God. God comes up It, it says <laughs> a lot about Elvis, too, because that's who he – they are the people that he liked. <laughs> right. They were the big three, the mother, the father, and, the, and God. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to think of – I mean, obviously, that's a right mama. But other than that and Mama Like the Roses, I'm – Maybe it's just this group of songs we've picked. Yeah, I am actually kind of struggling to, to think of too many more. I mean, there's like when we get to separate ways and some of the songs we've already covered are, are definitely where he is a father and talking about either a breakup or being away from his child. Oh, yeah, so I yeah. guess that counts. Anyway, um, yeah, I wish I had more to say about this because it's a song that I really like. I get the sense that he's using his handheld mic on this one just because when he says the word passion, it really it really pops in the mic, which it doesn't mm. mean it's handheld, but it just it's something that you don't usually hear it's usually they do another take but yeah i just his voice it's just all this yearning and the review that you read for the kentucky rain guy uh, who said he never elvis never sounded more miserable uh, i would say i'd say more in this song where he's more he's in this like one. crying out and sounds desperate and i love that and again it really reminds me of padre and i See, think padre, another another father song yeah well he was a priest it's a priest in that song ah so <laughs> oh there's that song called mama it was in girls 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 i forgot about that one that's a straight there's up probably not that many references it, it just it just feels like <laughs> well, these some of bunch this... of songs we're talking about and the references we're making there's lots of mothers and fathers well i'm, I'm suddenly remembering uh, something i read because in in the movie blue hawaii he sings can't help falling in love to the mother of his girlfriend and in love me tender he more or less sings the song to his mother mm. so yeah there is there is a lot of that actually and, and of course, in Girls, 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 that song, Mama, he sings to somebody's mother. <laughs> uh -huh. So now the next song is I'm Leaving, yeah, I like written song. by Michael Jarrett and Sonny Chuck.
Charles. I don't remember Michael Jarrett's name, but Sonny Charles seems familiar, and I don't know why. It definitely Has he done anything names. else? I didn't research that. It just sounds like a name. Yeah, it definitely sounds like some like jazz name who's been around forever. So this this is just a nice song. I really like the acoustic intro on this one. I even like the the la la la, which um, maybe some people don't like because again, it's sort of sappy or lame or whatever they want to call it. <laughs> but it's fine. Mm-hmm. The the melody of the verse I think is really nice. I like that. There's some nice little bass runs. I think the first one's after where he says chasing a dream the first time, mm-hmm. and then there's another one at like three oh nine or something. Yeah. And every time the drums kick in, oh, that's great. You feel like you're, you're going somewhere, something's happening. And the nice falsetto at the end of the chorus where he says, I'm leaving. Yeah. That's all I've got. This came out, let's see, I guess this was the flip side of Heart of Rome, also from the Love Letters album. Only mm-hmm. got to number 36. I really like this one. This is one of those songs, now that there's YouTube, you can't call anything a hidden gem because everything is equal. Everything's but, there. <laughs> when I got this, this came out on that silver box set in 1980 one or 80 or 85 yeah. i don't even remember now but it was on there and that was like the only place you could get it if you didn't have the 45 and it really grew on me and it's one of those songs that it well first of all elvis's voice is really strong back in 1971 but he's singing it if somebody told me this was from the jungle room sessions i would be like yeah that sounds about right yeah and yep. i feel like he's doing it in a more vulnerable i guess sounding voice yeah th- this also sounds to me more contemporary to 1971 than and a lot of the other stuff we're doing. Like this sounds at home next to Brad and the Carpenters. And- you know, I did read, when I was reading people's comments about these actual songs, uh-huh. I did see a few comments on a fair few of these songs and they're like, you know, like this single doesn't sound like anything else that was out at the time. It seemed so out of place and it was a weird yeah. choice for a single. It should have just been on an album. Right. Uh, but yeah, this one is not one of those. This one sort of fits in with when it was released. Yeah. I- but I kept seeing that comment about some of these other songs and they're like, why this song? Why this? time it just didn't work and yeah it seems like there were some pretty weird choices for these one-off singles but you know anyway nothing Um, we can do about it now (laughs) no this song could be like a suicide note um i mean heartbreak hotel was a suicide note technically but yeah it took me a while to really there's not very many lyrics because those la la la's take up quite a bit of it but yeah it does seem like it could easily be a, a suicide note tried so hard each time each time i just can't make it I'm reading. Yeah. Uh, it also, it reminds me a little bit of Way Down for some reason. Oh, Way Down. God, I love that song. Yeah. I don't know what it is about this, the changes in tempo, but something about it reminds me of Way Down. I should have listened to them next to each other so I could make a, an actual comparison instead of just <laughs> a really vague one. But there's something I, about it. I so wish, it's the dumbest thing to say, but... I so wish that Elvis had stayed around longer just yeah. to see what he would have done with some like disco stuff. I mean, way down was you were just getting on the way to like that really funky sort of yeah. clav, synth clav and stuff that he was using. And oh, I just cannot even imagine what would have come like a year or two after that. No. I mean, he probably wouldn't have recorded anything because he was so done recording. But oh, you can't even imagine. <laughs> No, I'm trying to remember like what McCartney had out at that time. Um, was it that like horrible like temporary secretary thing, <laughs> where he was he was playing with synthesizers and stuff? I don't know, uh, but uh, yeah, it is. I do wonder. Yeah, the same that song's thing. awful. 
That sounds awful. <laughs> I, I remember that. I listened to that album not that long ago, and I do remember a couple of really bizarre things happening on that album. Yeah. So I wonder if, well, Elvis never would have been, he never was that experimental. But, but yeah, it would have been interesting to hear him with keyboards that were coming in. Hmm. Anyway, so that's all I have. I'm leaving. So, It's Only Love. Yeah. Written by... Suspicious Minds songwriter Mark James. Wait, with uh, Steve Terrell. Okay. I think I read about some of these singles is that they would have been a perfectly fine just album track, but mm-hmm. they just didn't have like this, you know, the magic to make them like a, a big single. And there's nothing really wrong with them. They right. just don't have, you know, the the X, the it factor. Yeah. I mean, this song's perfectly fine. It's just not. Is this really the song you'd pick to be like the next single from Elvis Presley? Well, it just seems like there were some weird choices. In 1971, it only went to 51, but then they re-released it in 1980, and it went to number three yes. in the UK. Yes, so, I mean it was a hit. Yes, They're just not at the right time. It was ahead of its time. <laughs> yeah, it was almost 10 years in advance. Yeah, I do think it's a really great song, and I'm glad it got a second chance because I think it was better than number 51, which is what it got to back then. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, sad. I mean. <laughs> it's a, I could see that maybe it doesn't fit the songs at the time. Mm. I wrote down what it was up against in the 80s, like Don't Stand So Close to Me and Modern Girl, but I didn't write down what it was up against in 1971. See, that seems really weird because... In 1980, mm-hmm. it would have seemed so old, but somehow, maybe it was just because Elvis was gone, it did well. I mean, yeah. this sort of song was not, this style was not a popular thing in the early 80s. It, no. sa- it sounds like a 70s song, but then when it was released in the 70s, it sort of didn't fit with what it was released with around that time. So it's, it's a weird situation, really. Yeah. Yeah, there's some songs which, apart from maybe like, the the instruments they used or something some songs are not like dateable like you can just there's some songs and you're like when was this made i can't even figure it out Mm -hmm. and maybe this is one of them but you you know you can listen to the instruments and the sounds of things and you're like oh it's it sounds 70s 70s. maybe early 70s yeah but then when it came out at the time it didn't do well and you're like well why not it's just weird yeah and then maybe when it came out in 19 80, it was like this sort of imagined nostalgia because it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, sounds it was so 70s, nostalgia then. But it wasn't. And not hit. just for that <laughs> style of song, but also for Elvis himself. Right. Well, 1980, I'm pretty sure, is when that silver box set came out. And that mm. was the first time you could get It's Only Love and I'm Leaving on an album. Oh, these, okay. these didn't even show up on the budget albums. Did Here's a question that you might not know the answer to. I'm sure when Elvis died, album sales went up, just in general, over all these albums, all the biggest albums. But when they started like doing these big box sets and re-releasing things, how did they sell? Maybe not 78, but we're talking like yeah. 80, 81, oh, 82. I wonder how the sales were around that time. You know, he's been gone three, four, five years now. Is the, I don't know, not nostalgia, well, but... The thing is, right before the box set, I think it was right before, they uh, they did that Guitar Man album, and Elvis had like a top five hit with the re-recorded background of Guitar Man, kind of like they did with uh, Little Less Conversation. So... Mm. He was still, I mean, I think that was a country hit. I don't think it was necessarily pop. But yeah, I don't know the sales figures on that box set. I know it got great reviews at the time, but posthumous reviews. Yeah. I mean, it would have been a mix of things. It would have been the nostalgia. It would have been the fact that he's gone. And there would have been, I think, you know, because the the last few years when Elvis was around, he was considered by the general public to be a bit of a joke. And so there would have been this feeling of, oh, why didn't we appreciate him? 
when he was here. Listen to listen to this song. Listen to this voice. Right. So I reckon that would have been part of it. It's like, oh man. And people said that about Prince too. You know, there's people right. still now discovering. Oh, Prince can play guitar like unbelievably. <laughs> oh, he's written. He did like yeah. forty plus albums, and there's still more to be released. And there's so many things that come out later, and people are like, oh, why? Why wasn't I a Prince fan all that time? Right. And then they go out and buy all the albums. So yeah, eventually, the, you know, the sales they do happen later yeah. on. Yeah. And Elvis did happen to die right when. Like I think the musical Grease was being made into a movie, and Shana Na oh, was on yeah, TV. that came out seventy eight, so it, it would have been filmed probably seventy seven. Right, so all this sort of fifties nostalgia. Happy Days was probably yeah. on TV. So the interest may have peaked, even if he wouldn't have died, but certainly because he died, it was part. Of I it. think we touched on that very thing in another show, and it's like if he was just around like a year or two later, yeah. he could have come out and played all those old 50s hits and just made it killing. They could have re-released the albums. He could have even re-recorded them with his new amazing deep voice. Right, right. And just made millions. Yeah, and I mean, the people like the Stray Cats and all those people, like, I mean, they worshipped Elvis. Yeah. Well, I'm saying that. I don't actually, I assume, Brian, I, I think he Sounds actually like is an Elvis fan. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it would have been amazing to see if he would have, because they were doing music that went back to his roots at a time mm when he wasn't doing music from his roots. So yeah, it would have been interesting if he would have picked up on that, if he'd stayed around a little longer. Anyway, back yes. to It's Only Love. <laughs> that was a nice little detour. Yes. Um, this song, I do like it. There's nothing standout amazing about it, but it's it's just a good track. Yeah, We get is. good Elvis vocal. We get some big, some big notes. You got some nice strings at the appropriate volume, not too <laughs> loud, like in some cases. Right. There's backing vocals, there's horns here and there. You get that little guitar coming in and out, doing some stuff. 203, he says, I think it's throw, throw it aside. Mm-hmm. And that gets my attention every time. It's right. just, it's mixed very well. I'll say that. Have you got any more? No. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I like the background vocals. I think this was on the Baz Luhrmann movie soundtrack. I don't really remember it in the movie, but I think it was on there. But yeah, I, I just, yeah, I think it is a really great song that does sound like the 70s in, in the most positive way. Mm. I like the background vocals. I've written during the part where Elvis says, From the Distance of My Mind. There's a nice little moment in the background mm. that just kind of, I just like that kind of touch. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it should stand out more because there's really nothing, nothing I don't like about it, but it's still not quite, you know, it's not Kentucky Rain level. But yeah, it's a great song. I'm glad it was resurrected. Out of these first or oh, seven tracks we did, I mean, Kentucky Rain's got to be the biggest one. Yeah, I think so too. And then maybe I'm leaving, it feels like. Uh, yeah, me, well. Maybe it's just because I've heard that more in live shows than any of these other ones. Yeah, it's either that or Rags to Riches, I guess. Yeah, that'd be the third choice. Yeah, but in our yeah in our next episode, we get to some classics. Now here is the um, the teaser to make you come back for the next episode. It's only love was the A side, and right. the B side is coming up in the next show. So you've just <laughs> got to come back to find out. Yes, <laughs> although I have mentioned it already. This. During this episode. Mm, you know, like you watch The Masked Singer or something, they're just about to reveal. And <laughs> and it, it's it's coming up after the break. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So yeah. there we go. Okay. So there's seven tracks in date release. Was it date release or date recorded order? Date released, although it more or less is also date Similar. Recorded. Yeah, mm. although with this one, the, the one we just covered, It's Only Love, was recorded in May of 1971, while the flip side was recorded in June of 1970. Ah, uh-huh. so, so this one is is more disparate than most. Okay, so there we go. So yeah, 
Come back uh, next time. That was a bit of fun. Yes. That was good. I think the quality of these songs could have been better than some of those albums we've done in the past. I think so. Just in general. Because I know some of those songs on like some of those maybe later 70s albums, man, it was a struggle to get through some of those songs because they were just pretty average. But right. even the, the song I would rank here, the lowest, is still better than some of those. Is that My Little Friend or Mama Possibly. Like the Roses? <laughs> yeah, those are my two bottoms are, are uh, Mama Like the Roses and My Little Friend. And yeah, even those are really pretty high quality. And like I said, we haven't talked about the next group of songs, but especially taken all together, this would have been a great album. I don't mind My Little Friend. It's a nice little... <laughs> It's it Country sounds thing. good. Yeah, it like I said if it, some of the lyrics just are cringy. I could imagine singing that song, you know, riding along on your horse, be great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> this was part one. Come back for part two next time. Yes. And I think that's that's all we've got to say. Yes, we already told you our email address. So Elvis Reviews Podcast at gmail.com. There we go. That's all. We're also on Twitter, uh, except mm-hmm. that don't, we don't tweet much. No, we just tweet I... when the new show's out. And there's this guy who does really good photos of like concerts, Elvis uh-huh. dates and concerts. And he puts like four pictures from one show like on the date. Oh, cool. I retweet those because I think they're really good. That's about all we tweet. Right. And we used to have a Facebook page and then Facebook just decided we can't have one anymore. (laughs) Facebook, we got too popular, basically. We got a lot more people than we expected. And then I think they thought it was like bots or something. Right. And so they just closed it down and they've never reopened it, even though it's been under investigation for like eight, six months at least. (laughs) At least. And they've just never looked at it again. So I'm sorry if you want to see us on Facebook, but um, that's beyond yeah. our control because I'm not going to do another page just for the same thing yeah. to happen. So. Oh, but you guys can look for um, Alternate Universe Elvis. That's that's me oh, yes. anyway. I, I always forget about that. But yeah, this, that's just like a bunch of Photoshop stuff that I do related to Elvis. Some of it Yeah, you, you like some of that AI stuff. Oh, I love the AI. I'm not, I'm not even using AI though, really. I mean, mostly I'm just, it's just Photoshop. I don't have the, the new AI. <laughs> Mine are mostly just Elvis himself. Like alternate album covers, basically. I reckon you should redo every picture of Elvis, but with that beard from the oh, movie. I, I certainly have done a lot of those. Because so. he looks he looks so good there. I cannot believe he never had a beard any other time except then. I know. Imagine looks if, so good. Well, he would have had to be in that age. But looking like that in the 80s, oh my God. Oh, it would have been George Michael. Exactly. Everyone would have been saying, oh, George Michael stole Elvis's look. <laughs> yeah, the stubble. <laughs> Yeah, he wore stubble better than anybody I've ever seen. So, anyway, oh, that would right. be funny. Goodbye again. Okay. <laughs> That's the end. All right. Come back for part two. Yes. Elvis has left the building.